So this morning we're going to jump into Ruth chapter 4. And I just want you to know, maybe even the theme of the day for some folks, I want you to hear this loud and clear, is you will make it. If you can just hold on to those words, that is all that matters today. If you can leave knowing that, I think you've got it. You will make it. I believe that as we look at Ruth, we see those words come to life and be revealed to us. You're going to make it. If you are a parent today, maybe you just had your kid dedicated up here on the stage, or maybe it's been a long time, or maybe you are in the baby stage and you're not sleeping, I want you to know, mom, maybe dad, but mostly mom, you will make it. You're going to make it. You will make it. Whatever stage it is in that child, maybe you have kids that are in college and you don't know. Parents, you're going to make it. And I believe they will make it. It's going to happen. He's with you. He walks with you. Maybe it's elementary school. Maybe it's high school. If you're getting it, wherever it is, parenting is exciting, isn't it? Guess what? You're going to make it today. You're going to make it tomorrow. God will walk with you. In the story here, we have seen that, that Ruth and uh, Naomi, they have walked a crazy life. Naomi's husband took them to a far-off land, in that far off land, there was not a famine, but there also wasn't the blessing of God and in where he had probably called them to be or where he did call them to be. In Bethlehem with their, the people uh, that they're of their inheritance, they went there. The great thing is that they, Naomi's two sons, they found wives, they got married, so that was a good thing. The bad thing is they were supposed to be there for a short time. They ended up there 10 years. Elimelech, the husband, died. Both sons died. And all of a sudden, Naomi's in a far-off land, not in her inheritance, not where her family would be. And there is nothing left. I mean, if you want to know what a bad moment or a bad few years of your life is, move to where no one else is. Even get your, your kids, your sons married, which is a good thing. But then have everybody die, right? Maybe some of you feel like you're in a situation like that. But that's where they are. But then they came home. Naomi and Ruth, they, they committed. They came home to Bethlehem. And Boaz showed up in the picture as Ruth went to the field to glean barley, which means to go behind those that are, are harvesting. And they would leave some. And what was left over, she could collect for herself. And she went to the right field. She went to where Boaz was. And Boaz and Ruth, uh, let's say they caught each other's eye. There was a, a moment where they, they liked each other. And, and right before in chapter 3, Boaz had said, tomorrow, I'm going to make it happen. Basically, tomorrow you will be redeemed. Which meant Naomi is going to be redeemed. You're going to be re returned to where you should be, the place of inheritance. Elimelech, what is his, uh, will be restored to you. But there's some things that happen in that process. Ruth. And Boaz, they wanted to get married, but there was a kinsman redeemer, the one that had the right to the property. And in their day, it was a little different than our day. Actually, a lot different than in our day, we'll just say. As we read through, you will see. Um, but there was a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer that was closer, that could claim Elimelech's property, which would mean that Ruth would be her, her husband, all of the, or wife, the, all of those sorts of things. And that's where we get to here in chapter 4. And we're just going to read through and, and stop and, and look at what God is speaking out to us, I believe, today through Ruth chapter 4. Verse 1 starts, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. Now, real fast, made a few, verse, or a few words. The gate was an important thing in their day. 
It wasn't just something. It wasn't just something they threw in there. But that would be where city leaders would come. That would be where big conversations would happen. That would be like going down to the city court and having a judge be able to kind of drop the gavel on something that was real life. You're signing it away. Uh, that notary almost. Like this is a big place and a big place to be. That's why it says that. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. I think right off the bat, we see that Boaz is a smart guy. This guy would have been a part of his, his family line. I mean, they would have definitely known each other uh, big time. And there's something about going to someone and being like, hey, friend, come on in. Right? If you want to receive something, I encourage you just to learn from the word all over the place. But be friendly. Bring somebody in as a friend, not as an enemy, and things go better, like way better. And in fact, I really like, I really like how he goes about this conversation. Maybe you've had similar ones. He knew what he wanted. He knew what he wanted to experience, but he kind of slow plays the whole process. Come on, friend, come on in here. Now, it would have become clear that something was going to happen when he also got the elders, got the people, which would be the witnesses. So now, no, something's going to happen. There's going to be some sort of exchange or the gavel's going to drop, you know, one way or another. Took the men, the city elders, sit down here and they sat down. Then in verse 3, then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say... Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. Now, if you notice here, once again, just throwing out, he does not go into the fact that there's a mother-in-law and there's Ruth and there's uh, things that if you think about your inheritance, uh, he doesn't go right after that. He's like, what would you like? Oh, you want property. What does every human being want? And in their day, big deal, property. So it's kind of like saying, oh, there's a boat. If you take this, you're going to get a boat. Any guys in the room that you're like, that would be, I know right up here. He's not raising his hand, but he's like, yes, that would be, that'd be in. I'm all in. I want the boat. In their day, like, I want the property. That would be really helpful to my life, and this would be just a good thing for me. Um, and so he kind of lays it out there. And what do you know but that the guy says, I will redeem it, right? You're telling me I can get some property here for basically nothing. I'm in. I'm all in. Let's make it happen. Then Boaz drops the hammer down. Once again, I think God gives us wisdom on how to do what he's called us to do, how to have a conversation, how to go into something and say, Lord, I'm going to go with your wisdom, not my own wisdom, not, hey, I want to marry Ruth and I want this and I want this property and I want this. But instead he says, would you like property? Oh, you would. Well, awesome. And then he says, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also require Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. In other words, you're going to have to share what you have with Ruth and Naomi, and there's going to be kind of an inheritance uh, split that all of a sudden your family grows, and there's more people in this pot. And I absolutely love a guy that really knows what he knows, or knows what he wants. Because uh, the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it. 
for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. In other words, this guy says, I want property, but I don't want anything else. I don't want the other things that go with it. Boaz, to me, was an absolute master in this conversation. He worked it out. He called his friend in. He got his witnesses. He got the people around. He knew what he wanted, but he slow played it, where the guy's like, I want the property. Oh, I didn't know about all of that. I don't want all of that. And as I was praying and as I was just thinking this week, I was thinking about people that maybe today you are in a place where you really would like to be married. You would really like uh, to, to have that. And believing someday... Most people, right? That's going to be God's plan. But there's something about realizing, Lord, I'm going to go in your plan with what you want and with how you would do it. I'm going to marry the person that you've called me to marry. I'm going to do it in the right way, in the right order. I'm not going to get ahead of it. Where I believe Boaz, even though what he wanted with all his heart is he wanted Ruth. He said, what is the right way? How would you do this, God? What would this look like? And he went about it the right way, talking to this guy, bringing him in, encouraging him, and setting him up to say, hey, I think I'm good. You marry Ruth. And I believe there's some people in the room that maybe you've tried it in your own understanding. You've tried it in your own way. You've done things not necessarily with the Bible as the centerpiece, but you've done it on your own, and it doesn't work out how it should. Which it shouldn't work out how it should. The Word of God is what it's all built around. And my encouragement for you today is don't look for a person, but look for God. And as you look for God, as you grow in God, as you experience God, then he will supply the human being that you're going to marry or that's going to be in that relationship. He'll supply, we could go on a lot, a lot of other things, the job, the employers, the boss, the people that are going to be around you in those situations. He'll supply opportunities. He'll supply future for you. But the question is, Lord, am I going to do it in my own way Am I going to just go in, kind of asking for what I want, which I think Boaz really easily could have done? And maybe, we know how human beings can be, maybe that other guy wouldn't have taken that very well. And I believe that God would encourage us, listen for my voice when it comes to relationships, when it comes to business dealings, when it comes to every part. Listen to what I have, and when you do, then I will give you wisdom to know how to go about all of the important things of life from my direction. Which means sometimes not how maybe a parent did it, maybe not how somebody around me did it, maybe not what the internet or, I mean, that's just no good, but what Facebook or the news would say. Or all of a sudden I say, Lord, what does the word of God say? And that's what I'm going to do, and that's how I'm going to live, and that's how my relationship's going to be. And I believe that is what Boaz did. And if you today realize, you know what, my relationship or this, this friendship or something is hurting you, I encourage you, take a step back. Let God be God, and he will bring the right person, the right opportunity, the right job, the right whatever. Let him lead you. Let him guide you, and it's going to work. It's going to be good. He didn't want to impair his inheritance. Verse 7 uh, it goes on to say, Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilean and to Malon, also Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of Mahalan, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. 
that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses today. When I think of this, in one moment, God leading and guiding Ruth, Boaz, this family, this guy, he made it. They made it. She made it. Naomi made it. God did something special and powerful in their situation. And I just want to speak to somebody today that you will rise above your past, above people, above problems to thrive with God if you keep saying yes to God. We make our own decisions. We do our own thing. We don't let the word of God, the truth of God, be the guiding light. I mean, God's going to give you grace. You're going to make it, but it's going to be hard. But if you say, Lord, I'm going to do what you've said, even in death and in being widows and all of this, God brings us through. And in our spiritual walk today, you're going to make it. God's got you and he has a thriving future for you. But it doesn't end with you're going to make it. On a dedication Sunday, uh, I think it goes on in verse 11. You are going to be an example. Verse 11 says, Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthy uh, in Prathoth and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, for whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. And you might read that and you say, what is all of that? Names and all of these things. I'm just going to only talk about Rachel, Rachel and Leah today. They were the matriarchs. They were the, the women that had many children that got the, the house of Israel growing. They were blessed by God. And to have these two ladies as the ones that they said, basically be like that. We bless you like that. There was something that I think the people of the town said, she's a beautiful lady. He's a wonderful man. She has character and, and is what God has called her to be. He has done the same. He's kept himself, even for this, this younger lady and, and his older age. And they were excited about what God had done. I believe they were an example of the goodness of God coming through, even when it seemed like that ship had sailed a long time ago. Even though it wasn't in our timing and in our way, God came through and the people of the town say, blessings upon you. You've been an example and now we pray blessings. We pray children. We pray, pray future that seemed like it would never be that now is a reality in your life. You will be an example. So learn to live a godly life that leaves a godly legacy. Parents, people of the church, Christian here today, leave a godly legacy. Don't do anything that diminishes the most important thing in your life, which is the example before God that someone else can see. Parent, don't do anything that causes your kid to not want to serve Jesus because of what you do at home. Don't do anything that diminishes who you are. Because the only thing we can do is bless and encourage and leave a legacy for the next generation that is following us. In a dedication Sunday, a huge part of what just happened were parents saying, I'm going to leave a legacy of this kid being dedicated and following the Lord. And there's nothing better in your life. No amount of stuff or of, of worldly success trumps that kid following Jesus, knowing Jesus, making it to heaven. Maybe even missing some stuff you did or you messed up in your life. They don't do that because you have led them to where God has them to be. 
Leave a godly legacy. Be an example. In verse 13, we continue on and we see that uh, you will become your best. God does a miracle, even as we prayed about this morning. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And when you look at this in different uh, translations, it would even say opened her room, which how it would be worded, be like it was closed and now it is open. That God will do something in your life. And when we say yes to him, he will open our wombs, whether it be in our physical body with children. But I also believe in other areas of our life that if you feel like you're lost in your job, I'm praying and I hope you pray that God will give you a new position or that he will open a new door for ministry right where you are. I pray just so you know that everyone, I'm believing for raises, I'm believing for all of these things, but more important than money is a position where you can be a father, you can be a mother, you can be a leader, you can be a servant of God and that he leads you and that he guides you. Your best is what I'm praying for. And best doesn't always have to have Lots of zeros at the end of it. It's what is my impact? What is my example? Who am I leading? That is what it's all about. You will make it from where you are to where you want to be. I didn't put it on the screen, but if you're walking with God, if you're letting him lead, if you're letting him guide, from way out, separate of what God has, to who he has you to be, with the person and the, the, the position and in their case, even the wealth that came with this situation, Ruth and Naomi went from having nothing to being blessed, to living their best life. God wants to bring you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And last this morning is, believe that not only that, we're going to make it, we're going to be an example, you're going to become your best. But I believe that we are called to bring restoration to our world. We are called to bring new life, new hope, and what God has for us. In the last few verses of this chapter, it says, Then the Lord, or then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. And I just want to, this last sentence is absolutely amazing in this story. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David, the father of King David, Naomi and Ruth who were out in some other land, who came back, who experienced, in fact, Ruth, she was a foreigner. She was a laborer as the lowest servant. She was treated as a household maidservant, became Boaz's wife, bore a son. That was two generations away from King David. God brings restoration to the home. He brings restoration to your life. And no matter where you feel you are today, you are that close to bringing somebody into the kingdom of God or to bring somebody, one more for Jesus, get them into a place where they come to heaven because you said yes, because you were faithful, because you kept doing what God had called you to do. God is absolutely amazing. And it, I love the line in there, who is more to you than seven sons. And why, why is that? Why is that seven? Because seven was the number of perfection. God gave Naomi a son through Ruth who answered everything else. In other words, it didn't happen how she thought it would happen. 
It didn't happen with her husband and her sons alive and what you would expect. But even in the midst of chaos, God can come and move and restore and bring new life to you where you say, my daughter-in-law, my daughter Ruth had a kid that brought restoration. And church, that's our job as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is Lord, would you let me be someone who brings restoration and that might mean before the restoration can come uh, you know, to you or through you, you need to let God restore you. If you're here and you say, I'm broken, I don't know what to do. You feel like Naomi just before this. Keep being faithful because you're going to make it. Keep being an example even when it's difficult because you are going to make it. Become the best that God has for you. And watch as restoration comes to you and then flows from you to the world around you. Church, that's what it's all about this morning, is bringing restoration to our world. Bringing the love of Jesus to our world. Winning one more person for Jesus. If we can do that, then I don't care what house or home or, or cars I drive or the things I have. Lord, I want to be an example to my world and see people come into relationship with you. Because if so, someday I'm going to be in heaven and I'm going to be excited to come before the King of Kings and lay down what I've done before his feet. Say, Lord, you are everything. You've been everything. You restored. And some people are here with me. Some people are with me because you used me to bring restoration, even though I was broken. Even though I was a mess, you brought me through and now look at the people that are with me. God wants to bring restoration. He wants to use you to restore the world. And he's going to do it, church, one conversation at a time. This week, I want to encourage you, look for conversations to share him. Look for opportunities to be an example. Look for opportunities, to even sometimes, Lord, I'm going to make it. I'm just going to do the right thing when it's difficult. Look for opportunities to let God be revealed in your life and become the best you possible. Not because it's a saying or something, but because he's moved and you've said yes, and now he's pouring blessing out in your life. So Lord, this morning we come before you and are so thankful as a church family, God. We love you and we thank you. We pray blessing. Lord, I pray that this church would be a church that says we're going to make it. I'm going to make it. You're going to make it. We're all going to make it, God, because we say yes to you. Because we say yes to the amazing future that you give us. Lord, not what maybe our parents taught or not what maybe somebody else would say or maybe not what the world would look at and say, that's it. But Lord, we're going to say yes to your word and the truth of your word. And God, we are going to bring restoration. We're going to see it all around us. Because, Lord, you are on the move. You're our God. So, Lord, those that were dedicated this morning, those with kids, all of us as we're around people, Lord, I pray that we would bring restoration. We would bring life. We would bring hope. We would bring freedom. And, Lord, we would be conduits of your spirit to move and that salvation would flow, God, everywhere we go. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. It's in your precious and your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. And amen. And before we leave, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want to encourage you. It's the coolest thing ever. All you have to do is ask the Lord to forgive you. Simple words. Lord, forgive me. I turn of my past. I repent of the things I've done. And I give my life to you. And in just a moment, a simple prayer that's heartfelt, he accepts you. He brings you in as his son and as his daughter. And if that's you today, I encourage you. I would love to talk with you or one of our pastors out in the foyer this morning. Uh, anybody in this room would love to talk with you. 
there's nothing greater than someone coming to know Jesus. And uh, so thank you for being here this morning, for going after God, and let's go be an example to our world. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. Have a good one.